every year at this time, we just take a look, a fresh look, a reminder of what LifePoint is all about. And it's wrapped up in a couple of statements and a symbol. Our purpose statement is simply this. We believe a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. And by the way, it grows great Christians. Our mission is simple. We join people. We don't drag them. We don't pull them. We don't push them. We walk alongside of them. We join people seeking purpose and we offer life through Jesus Christ. Our process or strategy of doing this is in the symbol of the track. We bring people in to celebration. Sunday mornings, pretty traditional. People start thinking about God. Hey, let's check out church, okay? But from celebration, we move them into commitment. Commitment to Christ, commitment to the church. Dane and I talked about those last week. Then from commitment, we move into connection. We're gonna talk about the value of connection. In fact, connection is about maturity. Maturity happens not in a vacuum. It happens when you and I are in relationship, when we're doing biblical community together. That's how you grow. Now, a part of our strategy is sometimes we're not healthy. There are critical care needs that we have. And so we have a care ministry. John Clements, our care pastor, we're gonna be launching a lot of mental health things. You're gonna be hearing me teach on that more come mm, about April when I get my act together on that. So uh, the, the care, but after they're healthy and whole, we get them back on the track and we go to serving. And serving is about discovering your gifts, talents, and abilities and using them in the church and outside the walls of the church. Then on to share, where we share our love story with other people. People love stories. The best magazine out there is People Magazine. You wanna know why? Because it's all about stories, people's stories. And so from there, we go out into the world, we bring them back in and we just keep running that marathon again and again and again. This morning, we're gonna focus in on an aspect of maturity, connecting. In 1912, there was a ship that was built that was declared to be unsinkable. In fact, someone said, God himself could not sink this ship. And it was, and it was said to be this because it, there was new engineering that had come about. What they had done is they designed the hull into segments so that if, if there was damage to the hull, it would stay afloat. Now, we all know that that was not the case. And 1,522 people's lives were lost. When the integrity of the hall, when the integrity of the hall was damaged, it was doomed. James Cameron, the producer of the movie Titanic, said this, the Titanic is the metaphor of life. We're all on the Titanic. And in many ways, our lives are like a ship. We're just sailing along on the Disney cruise ship and everything is just hunky-dory. But if your integrity gets damaged, you're going to sink. You're going to experience a catastrophe. You're going to be experiencing troubled water. Today, I would say most people make a titanic mistake in their life. And you may sit there and be thinking, well, George, Pastor George, what is that titanic mistake? Simply this. It's when you compartmentalize your life into segments, into various 
titanic segments thinking that everything is going to be okay. I got my work life over here under control. I got my sex life over here under control. I got my social life here. I've got my home life. I've got my career life. I've got all my life sectioned off thinking that they are unrelated. Even Christians fall into this category. Even well-meaning Christians, they got their spiritual life. I pray, I give, I serve. But then I've got my secular life, the, the real world stuff. And the two are never integrated. That is a tragedy. Now the reason that we do this is because we want to hold value, different values in our minds. Well, we want to believe and do something in one place and we want to believe and do something different in another place. And we think that because we have put them into these titanic segments that everything is going to be okay. Even if a little water comes in, even if a little sin gets into this compartment, guess what? I'm going to stay afloat. That is a big mistake. The definition of integrity according to Webster, is the quality or state of being complete or undivided or incorruptible. Well, you circle the word undivided. It is saying that you can't compartmentalize your life. Integrity is about wholeness. It is about unseparated. It is about having it all together. It is, it is about not saying one thing in one place and, uh, and a different thing in a different place. And again, the reason that we compartmentalize our life is so that we can say, you know what, my family is first. So I can then go and work and give all my time to work. Or I can say, you know what, I go to church and I praise God on Sunday. So I, on Monday, I can go see a movie that's not the best movie. And we think that those two things, what we say or believe and what we do, are okay. It'll keep us afloat. I want to obey God in one area, but I want to ignore him in another. But integrity says you can't live your life in segments. Now, there is a popular phrase out there that just kind of drives this. And it is this, maybe you've heard this. What I do in my private life is my business and it has no effect on my, on my public life. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard anyone say that? Folks, that lie has been perpetrated for the last, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years from the White House all the way down to our house. Does your private life affect your public life? It most certainly does. Just ask the film director, Harvey Weinstein. Just ask the former senator from Minnesota, Al Franken. Just ask our current state representative, Republican, by the way, Joe Barton. If you ever think that your private life doesn't affect your public life, or that what you do at church doesn't affect your work, or what you do at work doesn't affect your home, you have a titanic problem. Today what I want to do is I want to take a look at three things. I want to take a look at what integrity is, 
Why integrity is important and how you and I can live a life of integrity. So let's get started. What, why is integrity so important? Well, let me give you three big reasons. The first one is this, it pleases God. You see, God is absolute integrity. The Bible says God does not lie. The Bible says that God is absolute truth. And because God is this way, he can't demand anything less than himself. And so he demands integrity from us. He demands integrity in our words, in our thoughts, and in our behaviors. My whole life is to be a life of honesty. It is to be a life of integrity. Take a look at Proverbs 3, verse 22. The Lord hates people with twisted hearts, but he delights in those who have integrity. You see, God delights in integrity, but he hates deception. Why is that? Because it is the opposite of who he is. And he understands that deception devours, that it destroys, that it distorts our hearts, that it prevents us from becoming all that God has meant us to be. It prevents us from living a, the, our full redemption life. But oftentimes, what people do is that they rationalize their dishonesty with excuses. And the most common excuse out there is this, what does it matter? No one will ever know. I mean, what does it matter? I mean, if I just fudge a little here and just kind of cut corners here, what does it matter if I just take a little step of dishonesty here? No one will ever know. But God knows. And he's the one that counts. You see, God's watching everything that you and I do. He's watched everything. He, he, he was there when we were being formed in mommy's womb. He, he was there when we took our breath. He, in fact, he has heard every breath that you have ever heard, ever taken. He has heard every heartbeat. If no one finds out on this side of eternity, guess what? We still should live a life of integrity because God knows he's there. And that's why I say this. It's always important to live for the audience of one person because we want to please him and we want to understand that he is pleased with us. God delights in our integrity. The other, second reason is that it affects other people. You see, whether you and I live with integrity or we live with a lack of integrity, you're going to influence the people around you. That's why I always say this, you're a leader whether you want to admit it or not. Because leadership is all about influence. And we are influencing people one way or the other, either towards good or towards bad. And in the same way, if you are living a life of integrity or whether you're living a life without integrity, you're going to affect people around you. And where it starts is at the home. Take a look at this verse in Proverbs 20, verse 7. Good people who live honest lives will be a blessing to their children. Do you want to be a blessing to your children? then be a person of integrity. I love this. I love the translation out of the Living Bible. It says, it's a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. Truly, one of my life's goals is to have those who know me the best respect me the most. As a public figure, it is easy to get uh, caught up in image. It is easy to impress people from a distance. But to influence them, guess what you have to do? You have to get up close. 
You have to make your life vulnerable. That's why I'm out at second base trying to touch as many people as I possibly can. I don't hide in my library. I want to influence people. And I want to influence people, those who I love the most. It is far worth, it's, it's worth more than money to me to have my wife respect me, to have my kids, to have my grandkids, to have my small group, to have my staff, to have our church respect me. Guys, I'm a man, and I'll speak to you guys. The greatest need that you have, honestly, is respect. This should be a high priority on our life. It not only affects our families, but you know what? It affects our society. It affects the people we work with, the world that we live in. Take a look at Proverbs 11.11. The influence of good people makes a city great. How do you make a city great? By having great people. How do you make a church great? By having great people. We have it in our purpose statement. We believe a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church and great Christians. And it isn't just a thought, a belief system. You see, one of the values of LifePoint Church, and you will find this because I am very personal, practical, and positive, is that we believe what we do. In fact, we only believe what we do. We believe that homeless is a, is a worthy cause to give ourselves to. When we get the call from the police department, hey, we're, we're running out of sleeping bags. Could you help us? We were on it, okay? We got the sleeping bags. They haven't picked them up yet, but we got them for them, okay? We believe, what, a little late, I would say, but nevertheless, we got them for them, okay? We believe what we do. Take a look at this verse right here, Proverbs 14, 34. Doing what is right makes a nation great. I would say this, that our country is in desperate need of people of integrity who will live a life that God would have them to live. Now, the third greater reason is this. It brings other people to Christ. It is a witness to the world. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. People who do not believe are living all around you. So live good lives. Then they will see the good things you do, and they will give glory to God. You see, living with integrity helps people come to Christ. In fact, there are two things or two reasons why people don't come to Christ. One is that they have never met a Christian. And number two is that they have met a Christian. And my heart honestly breaks to think about people who are not heaven bound because they met a so-called Christian who wasn't living a life of integrity. Truly integrity draws people to Christ because integrity makes us different from the world. And only different people make the world different. And integrity works and I am a case in point. I was a so-called Christian. When I was young, I went to church every Sunday with my mom until I was 16 years old. And after that point in time, I wanted to be like my dad. He was a sailor. And I was raised in the 60s, so it was all about drug, sex, and rock and roll. And on, 
on my, in my sophomore year at a university, my friend and I are rating girls on the scale of one to 10 because that's what good college students do, right? And I point at this one girl and, and he says, I bet you can't get a date with that girl. And I says, I bet you I can. And I came up to her and she had a Bible. And she says, and I said, can I borrow your Bible? And she said, yes. Are you a Christian? Why, of course I am. <laughs> After two or three months, that girl discovered that I was just a so-called Christian, not a person of integrity. And she dropped me like a hot potato. And when that happened, I said, I want some of that. Because I dated a lot, and there were a lot of Christians out there that were compromising. I wanted integrity. And as a result of that girl, I gave my life to Christ. And then I married her one year later, okay? She's my wife. So it works. It affects other people. It pleases God. Thirdly, it benefits or blesses me. There are truly dozens of benefits for living a life of integrity. But one of them is that life is just easier. Take a look at Proverbs 11, 5 and 6. Moral character makes for smooth traveling. Will you circle the word smooth? An evil life is a hard life. Will you circle the word hard? Good character is the best insurance. Will you cir circle the word best? Folks, life goes smoother when you're a person of integrity. In fact, Mark Twain once said this, that you, in regards to integrity, that you don't have to have a long-term memory if you are a person of integrity. And I tell you this, the older I get, that's really important, okay? Because <laughs> this gray cells are getting grayer here. In other words, if I lie all the time, if I tell one story to one group and a different story a, 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 to a different group, if I tell one thing differently from one group to the next group, folks, eventually that's going to catch up with me. And I'm going to be in troubled water. But with integrity, you don't have to have a long-term memory. Now notice what it says. An evil life is a hard life. If you don't think it's a hard life, let me just have you remember. Do you remember Enron? Do you remember Worldcom? Do you remember Tyco? Do you remember Countrywide with subprime loans? Do you remember the guy, Bernie Madoff? The fact is, it causes all kinds of trouble, not only in their life, but folks, in all of our lives. Now, what is evil? Well, evil spelled backwards is live. When you and I don't live the life that God has for us, if we're not seeking to, to, to rise up to our full potential, and that's represented in those five things, if we, if we don't live the way God has made us and meant us to live, that's evil. And he says an evil life is a hard life. In other words, it's not really living, it's just existing. Now, notice it also says that good character is the best insurance. Let me ask you this. How much life insurance do you have, personally? They have, I don't know, two million, two and a half million on me. They call it key man insurance. In case I die, you know, they'd be able to float the boat until we find the next one. Now, I share this. I'm healthy. Everything's cool, right? 
but truly I am worth more dead than alive. And my wife has been tempted a few times, okay? But what is the best life insurance policy? It's called integrity life. People who live honest, moral lives of integrity have less stress in their life. Why? Because the greatest, greatest source of stress in your life isn't your work, and it isn't your marriage, and it isn't your, your kids. Do you know what the greatest source of stress in your life is? Incongruency. Incongruent, incongruity is when you say you value something, but those values don't show up in your behavior. It's when you believe certain things, but those certain things don't show up in your behavior. When you don't have those two things in harmony, when they are not integrated with integrity, that creates stress and tension and fatigue in your life. Because in your heart and in your mind, you know what you need to be doing, but you're not doing it. And God says a moral life, a life of integrity is a smooth life. Another benefit is confidence. Take a look at Proverbs 10 verse 9. People with integrity have a firm footing, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall you see, when you've, got, when, when, you, when you've got nothing to hide in your life, you know what? You're gonna be a person of confidence. When you don't have any skeletons in your closet, when everything's been exposed, when, when what you see is what you get, then you're gonna have confidence. When you live with a life of integrity, you will have an enormous amount of boldness. Why? Because boldness comes from character. Boldness comes from doing the right thing that enables you to say, hey, check me out. I dare you. I double dog dare you. In fact, I triple dog dare you to check me out. See if I am who I say I am. It produces confidence and a sure footing. And so if these are the benefits if it pleases God, if it affects other people, if it benefits or blesses me, how do I live a life of integrity? Well, there are a number of ways. The first one is this, always speak the truth. Take a look at Proverbs 12, 22. The Lord hates liars, but he is pleased with those who keep their word. Do you keep your word? Do you keep your promises? Let me ask you this. Honestly, have you ever told God that you're going to join a church and you haven't? Have you ever told God, God, this year I'm going to do ministry and you haven't? Have you ever told God, God, I'm going to go on a missions trip. That, that thing that Pastor George is talking about, I want to go on that thing. I'm, I'm going, God, and you haven't? Or are you one who always makes excuses? You see, the Bible says that God loves those who keep their word. I was driving one day, and I was thinking, you know, I don't think I've ever made a promise to God. And then I started to think, oh, yes, I have. First one that came to my mind when I was having marriage problems four years into my marriage. 
I said, yeah, I made a promise to you, God, that I'd love this woman till death do us part. You see, if you and I don't keep our word, you and I aren't gonna have very many deep relationships because integrity is the basis of relationships. Truly, truth and trust go together. You can't have one without the other. If I don't tell the truth, guess what? You won't trust me. And if you don't trust me, we won't have a relationship with one another. As I was out in California, I was thinking about this. I was thinking one of the reasons why, why there's so many divorces is because people marry the wrong person. They marry for the wrong reason. They marry for stimulation. <laughs> I just got a quiver in my liver, Pastor George. When I'm with them, it's always just so good. But they've never checked out their integrity. They've never checked out their character. Now, there are a lot of ways, and or a lot of different ways that you can lie in a relationship. You can lie by flat out lying. You can lie through flattery. You can lie by breaking promises. You can lie through silence. Not telling the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. We've all seen Perry Mason, right? And my guess is we've seen some relationships go south because of a lack of integrity. Why? Well, it's because when there isn't integrity, there isn't trust. And when there isn't trust, love dies. And hope dies along with it. Now, my question is this. How do you rebuild a relationship that's on the skids? Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things. Will you circle that word all? Speaking truly, <clears throat> dealing truly, and living truly. You see, you begin by telling or speaking the truth in love in all things. What does that look like? By speaking the truth about your feelings your hurtful feelings, your sexual feelings, your angry feelings, by speaking the truth about your faults, that you have weaknesses, to, to, to speak the truth about freedoms, control issues. You see, when you and I begin to speak the truth into each other's lives and speak the truth about our own life, I mean, I... My kids know that I'm a control freak. Dad, you're a control freak. I don't deny it. I'm not in denial. You're right, I am. I'm in control at the White House, okay? We're gonna do it my way. When you and I do that, when we speak the truth and we live in it, trust will return. But how do you do it? Will you circle the word lovingly express? When you share the truth, you never use the truth as a billy club. You don't use it to <clears throat> destroy the person. You don't use it to, to prove that you're right and that they are wrong. Why? Because the purpose of telling the truth is not to destroy your opponent. It's to set them free. In John 8, 32, we know this verse, don't we? When you know the truth, the truth will what? It'll set you free. You see, truth is shared in a loving way because the goal isn't to pound them into the dirt. 
The goal is to set them free. It is to set the relationship free. And so when you express the truth, you set them free, but you do it in a loving way. Take a look at Proverbs 4, 24. Don't take out, or don't talk, sorry. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. You don't tell white lies, you don't banter, and you don't gossip if you're gonna be a person of integrity. In other words, you don't say one thing to one person and then a different thing to another person. You see, there is a word for a person who speaks out of both sides of their mouth. You know what that word is, don't you? It's called hypocrite. You see, a hypocrite is one who says one thing to one person, but then maybe behind their back says something different about them. Now, the Greek word for hypocrite is two-faced. It was a person, one person, that wore two different masks. One mask in one scene and a different mask in a different scene. In other words, they were playing as the same person two different roles. They had a private role and they had a public image or role. But integrity demands that I speak the same. Take a look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 8. Our responsibility is never to oppose the truth, but to stand for the truth at all times. Will you circle the word stand? Truly today, more people are interested in standing for their own rights than they are standing for truth. They are obsessed with their own rights. I have my rights. But I wonder if it has ever occurred to them that where there are rights, there must be wrongs. And the thing is, is a lot of people don't like to admit they're wrong. I'm okay. And you're okay. Hey, I'm okay, you're okay. Hey, we're all okay. Not necessarily true. In fact, you may not be okay. You may be wrong. In fact, both of us may be wrong. The word rights is a moral word. And where there are rights, like I said, there must be wrongs. But a lot of times we're afraid to stand up for the wrongs in our world. Because if we do, we may be labeled as a bigot. We may be labeled as narrow-minded. We may be labeled as intolerant. And so what we do is we hold our tongue. If you and I are gonna be people of integrity, I can guarantee you this, there will be times in our relationships with others where we will have to say to them, that's wrong. It's just wrong. I'm sorry, but it's wrong. No, no, this is not right. And when you do that, you don't do it in a mean way. You do it in a very loving way. Lovingly, you say, you know, I really believe that sex outside of marriage is wrong. I believe homosexuality is wrong. I believe same-sex marriage is wrong. I believe racism is wrong. I believe that abortion is wrong. I believe that sexual harassment, it's wrong. And why? Because in a relationship, sometimes it demands integrity. Take a look at James 4:17. When a person knows the right thing to do but doesn't do it, then he is sinning. You know, there's a verse that haunts me as a leader. It really haunts me. 
It's a verse in Proverbs that says, all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And that haunts me. As a public leader who wants to be loved by people and also wants to be, also loves in integrity, that creates a lot of tension in my life. But notice what Proverbs 20 says. Sound leadership is founded on loving integrity. If you want to be a leader in your home, in your workplace, in the community, in the church, folks, you and I gotta get this one right. Leadership isn't just, leadership it has nothing to do with popularity. There's a lot of popular people that aren't leaders, okay? They're just, they're just people who just give everybody something, right? To get, get a following. True leadership happens when people follow you because they trust you. They trust you because they know that you're a person of integrity, that you tell the truth, that you don't lick your finger and see which way the wind's blowing that way. No, you do what's right. There is a third way to live with integrity. And it's this, you stay clean. You keep your mind, your body, and your motives pure. Take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. Let your lives shine brightly before them. Have you ever thought why God, when he was getting ready to, to kind of, so to speak, restart the world that he chose Noah? It was because Noah was a man of integrity and God could trust him. Noah lived in a perverse world, so perverse that God came to the place and says, you know what, I'm starting over again. And Noah, I'm starting with you because you're a person of integrity. And at that point in time, he'd been living in that world for about 500 years, just plugging away, keeping his integrity. So the question is this, how do you and I do that? How do you and I maintain our integrity when the world is wanting to squeeze us into its mold where we are not different so as to make a difference, but we're the same like everybody else. Well, let me give you a few things. This first one I'm gonna give you, I give to your high school students. If they graduate and give me a card, and if they come back from college, I always ask them these three things, okay? I always ask them, are you reading your Bible? Are you talking to God every day? Okay, remember, talk to God every day through prayer and let him talk to you through his word. Number two, remember what you're going to school for. You're not going there to spend all your mom's dad and money on partying, okay? Cut that out. Mom and dad always like me to say that, okay? But the third thing, and this is a big one, is that you choose your friends wisely. Truly, they impact our lives far more than what we realize. That is why biblical community is so important. When I was growing up, I had a pastor who mentored me, and he says, George, I want you to memorize this verse. And it was a short one, so I said I could do it. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, bad company corrupts good morals. George, never forget that. Because relationships affect our lives far more than anyone else. Second one is value integrity more than image. And this is a struggle, is it not, in Collin County? There is an image that Collin County has with all these big corporations moving in. Boeing, Toyota, Liberty Mutual, State Farm. We got PepsiCo. We got Frito-Lay. We got HP. We got JCPenney's. There is an image that is here. Collin County is a very mega image conscious. 
community. You know what? It doesn't really matter if I'm rich as long as I look rich. It doesn't matter if I'm having fun as long as I look like I'm having fun. It doesn't matter if, if, if I, I, I'm successful or not as long as I look like I'm successful. You see, Toffler said this, our greatest pretenses are built up to, hide, to not hide our evil, but to hide our emptiness. Isn't that true? It's not like we are these terrorists. Oh, I'm going to blow up, okay. The Collin Creek Muller, well, it needs to be blown up and rebuilt, but that's a different story. Uh, but the, the Stonebriar Mall, no. No, we hide because we know that there's something missing. Take a look at Proverbs 28, verse 6. It is better to be a poor person who has integrity than to be rich and double-dealing. You see, if your number one goal is to make money, then guess what? You will do anything to get it. You will even live an incongruent life to get it. So you're gonna have to make a decision. Are you going to live truthfully or are you going to live for things? If you decide that truth is more important than things, then you will begin living out that value. If you decide that things are more important, I'd say, than people, then you're going to live out that value. But I guarantee you this, you will sink. So watch the integrity more than image. And then the last one is watch what you watch. Monitor the media. Filter what goes into your mind. There is so much negativity in, in, in our world, when we get into this hope series, I'm gonna ask you to turn off your TVs for a while and just to see if your hope quotient won't go up. My guess is it will. There is so much negativity in our world that just pulls us down. And so we gotta monitor the media. We've gotta watch, we gotta filter what goes into our minds. Like it's been said, garbage in and garbage out. Take a look at this verse in Psalms 101. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I gotta watch what I watch and I gotta watch and be careful to what I'm listening to. And I, and I know the excuses. Well, this stuff that I'm listening to and this stuff that I'm watching, I mean, it's no big deal. Have you ever heard yourself say that? It's, really, it's no big deal. Okay, I'll give that to you. It's no big deal. But how big of a hole does it take to sink a ship? Five-foot hole? Five-inch hole? I watched the movie Dunkirk this, this week. And there's this boat stranded, and there's these uh, British soldiers that are hiding out there and they're waiting for the tide to come in and all the Germans did was shot a few holes in it and they drowned. You see, a hole is a hole is a hole, isn't it? And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. These are simple steps. Or these are not simple steps. These are hard, these are challenging. So where do we start? Last week, I shared it starts with our commitment to Christ. 
And I want to say this. Take a look at this verse, 2 Peter 1.3. God's divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. This power was given to us through knowing Jesus who called us by his own glory and integrity. Folks, you and I need to be committed to Christ. We need to be committed to a larger spiritual family with the world that is just crushing in on us. But there is a second commitment. We need to be committed to a biblical community that will support us and encourage us and stimulate us to love and good deeds. As your pastor, I want you to know, I don't preach it, just preach it, I live it. There are three groups that I'm involved in. I got a bunch of CEOs who are at the top of their chain that are living lives of integrity. I wanna be around them and I wanna learn from them. I got my neighborhood group, bunch of guys, men's group, yes! come together, stimulate each other to love and good deeds. And then I've got my community group that I've been there for 15 years where we come down and we just share life. We take off masks and this is who we are. This is what we're struggling with. And you and I need that. Take a look at this verse and how it's tied to hope out of Hebrews 10, 23 and following. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. It starts in that track by committing ourselves to Christ and becoming a member of the church and then getting into biblical community where we get supported because integrity isn't about perfection. It is about our heart and our feet trying to go in the right direction. And that takes others. Let's pray. Lord, I really do thank you that you are a God who doesn't lie. That you're a God who's truthful. And that you have put things in your word, promises that are the anchor of our hope. And because you are who you are. We know that they are true and that you will work, that you will work in us and that you will work through us, that you can give us a divine power far beyond any kind of power that works from without. You can give us an inward power to be the people that you have created us to be, to be the people that you have created us to do, to be difference makers because we have chosen to grow and to be different, to be like you. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. Maybe God's spoken to you this morning. Maybe you need to commit your life to Christ. You've known about him, but you haven't said yes to him. Would you do that today? Would you just simply just say, God, I admit, taking off the mask. I admit, I've blown in a lot of areas, God. <laughs> and you know it already. But today I believe that you're the answer. That Jesus died for my sins and he resurrected from the grave to prove that what he said, I could stake my life on. And so right now, God, I commit my life to you. Work in me, God, and work through me. If you prayed that prayer, simple as it was in your heart, doesn't matter the words that you said. If you said, Jesus, just forgive me, help me, God. God heard you. 
Will you just let me know on your communication card? And at the first of the week, I'll send you some literature to help you understand what you've just done. So God, we thank you. We thank you for the journey that we're on. We thank you that you're for us and not against us. In your son's name we pray, amen.